Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the active skin repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 126. On today's episode, I'm chatting with self-care expert and advocate Suzanne Falter about how we can carve out time for self-care and why it's so important. If you've heard the topic of self-care coming up more and more recently, and you're not really sure what it is, what it means for you, or how you as a busy mom can work it into your already extremely busy schedule, well then tune in today because Suzanne is breaking it all down for us. Well, hello again there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. I am really excited about today's topic. Self-care is getting a lot of time in the spotlight. But I think a lot of us aren't quite sure what it is or how we can make self-care a part of our life. And I am raising my hand and including myself in that group. I mean, a lot of you listening to the show are busy moms. And often that means we put others first, super guilty. So if your idea of self-care is a once in a blue moon bath with a bath bomb or getting a massage a few times a year, then you're going to want to listen to this episode and take some notes. And if you are out driving or walking or just not in a place where you can write things down, then be sure to check out the show notes or head to my website at wannabeclutterfree.com slash 126. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 126 to get more information about Suzanne and the links to the things that we discussed today. But before we get too deep into the show, I'd like to say that if this is your first time here, well, welcome to the show. I am honored to have you. I hope you like what you hear and you come back for more. And if you do like what you hear today, would you please be so kind as to leave me a rating or a review? The ratings on Apple Podcast and Spotify are the lifeblood for podcasters like myself. It tells me what topics you like the most so I can get more guests to discuss those ideas and go deeper. And it also helps others who might be struggling with too much stuff to find us and get inspired. And also, I just love hearing how the show is helping you. Like this review I received this week from Magdalena. She writes, quote, I found this podcast recently and I have to say that I love it. I'm a mother of three kids and we live in Czech Republic. I can feel that there are cultural differences, but still it's very inspiring. I'm sure Deanna does it with all her heart. Thank you, Deanna. End quote. Well, Magdalena, thank you for that very kind review. I've actually been to the Czech Republic and I love your beautiful country. We had a wonderful time there. Of course, we did get to visit Prague and I Our daughter still talks about the um, restaurants with the trains that serve the drinks, the beverages. Um, But we also got to spend some time in Ostrava. And I have to say that that children's museum there, it did not disappoint. It was probably one of our favorites um, during our visits through Europe a few years ago. And I know, of course, it's it's a big country and it's got so much history. And I'm not sure where you are, but I do feel very lucky that my family 
has been able to experience at least a little piece of its beauty. So thank you again for joining us on the show. And thanks to all of you who listen to this show as well. Wannabe Minimalist has reached the top 100 of all education podcasts on Apple Podcasts, and it just blows my mind. This show is for you, and I want to be the best resource that I can be. So please do not hesitate to reach out with any ideas or topics that you'd like me to discuss. I promise I am all ears, and I can't wait to hear what you would like to learn. So all right, with that, I want to get back to the show for today. Um, We are joined by Suzanne Falter. She's an author, speaker, and blogger who writes essays and nonfiction books about self-care, joy, and the lessons that she's learned after an extremely hard year that culminated with the death of her daughter, Teal. Her story is heartbreaking and inspiring, and we talk about her recovery from that devastating year and how self-care has helped her heal. Her passions shine through, but I love how real Suzanne is. She walks the walk, and it was refreshing to get her perspective on some of my struggles that I'm sure you can relate to as well. Suzanne is an international speaker, and she speaks to healthcare and corporate audiences about self-care, the gifts of crisis, and her experience as a donor mom in the world of organ donation. Her work has been featured everywhere from O Magazine, The New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal, to Self, Today.com, and Tiny Buddha. She is the author of the book Surrendering to Joy, How Much Joy Can You Stand?, Living Your Joy, and The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care. In addition, she is also a podcast host. So give this episode a listen, and when you're done, head over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 126 to get the show notes for today's episode with links to Suzanne's website, her podcast, and her books. Again, you can find it all at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 126. And now let's get to our conversation. Well, hi, Suzanne. Welcome to the Wannabe Minimalist Show. How are you doing today? Awesome, Deanna. Thanks so much for having me, dear. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. We had the privilege of meeting before uh, where I was interviewed by you on your show. So um, by the time this airs, it's come out now. So um, we should, uh, you know, if you haven't, if you're listening to the show and you haven't heard that one, please head on over um, to Suzanne's show and check that out. Why don't you start today by telling us a little bit about yourself and what led you to becoming a professional inspirational speaker? Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for this whole thing. And honestly, um, what I would say is that my work is to teach people about self-care who are too busy for it. And that is the the work I have been led to through a bunch of unusual circumstances. Prior to that, I was a self-help author um, and writer for decades (laughs) and uh, didn't expect my work to lead me into self-care. I didn't really know what self-care was because I was somebody who overworked all the time. And I was an extremely busy woman. And uh, what happened was that a bunch of circumstances came along and knocked me totally out of the loop, including the end of a relationship, moving out, ending a business, all of them a two-month period, at the end of which my 22-year-old daughter, Teal, suddenly dropped dead from a medically unexplainable cardiac arrest just a few hours after I had dinner with her. And Teal was an extraordinary person who went all over the world um, by herself with her little guitar and she busked on the street. And she knew a lot about self-care because she was epileptic. And her epilepsy taught her to tune into her body and to really take exquisite care of herself. And, you know, the cause of her death has never been understood. She just slipped away. And uh, I decided after her death that I would make my focus returning to myself and becoming a better, healthier, more balanced person. And the way I determined I could do that after reading her journals and really thinking about the examples she left me, was to go deep into self-care. And I didn't know what self-care was. I was, you know, like I said, I thought self-care was get a massage every quarter and call it good. And maybe a vacation every few years, maybe not. I was just a busy, busy mom and a busy, busy everything. And I didn't yet understand the joy of something like minimalism and really simplifying your life 
to live your values. Deanna, I didn't even know what my values were. So when I wrote The Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care, the first thing I wanted to do was help people get in touch with what are your values? Why are you rushing through this life? Why are you doing so much? And I really think a lot of this is about overproduction. Mm. We have terribly high standards. We're working much harder at things than we need to. We are producing at a perfectionist level. And we're often doing a whole lot of stuff other people should actually be doing themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Do you hear me, moms? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, there is so much in there that we are. I'm so excited. We have this whole episode to unpack a lot of that that you just talked about because, yes, I mean, I think especially women, especially moms have we take on so much and we put so much on our plate and we don't necessarily have that moment of is this really what I should be doing because we're so busy and we're so just go 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 and we've got we're juggling all these balls in the air and it's like but if I stop one of them is gonna drop and yeah um, I heard someone once describe glass balls and rubber balls and that we all have these glass balls that we're juggling that are really important our health our family. And then we have balls that are rubber. And those might be things like our career. Whereas like if we let that drop, it might bounce, right? Like if we drop our health ball, that one's going to shatter if it's made of glass. Um, And so I try to think of that when I'm super busy. I try to think like, is this a glass ball or a rubber ball? I just really like, I can't even think of who said it. I'm going to have to look it up because I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, but just that moment of like, okay, is this a glass ball that if I'm, I need to keep this one going, um, or is it a rubber ball where if I let it, if I let it slide, it will bounce and, you know, I can bring that back up. And, and, and so again, but in that same point, like you were saying, there's still so much within those glass balls that we do that other people could be doing as well. Like how many other things could people, our children be contributing to, you know, packing their own lunch or, you know, unpacking their lunch at the end of the day, helping around the house, these kinds of things. Um, So let's talk about that a little bit. So let's talk about your schedule. What makes you busy? How do you manage your busy schedule? Because again, just because you're doing self-care doesn't mean you're not busy. (laughs) No, no. And, and I am way more in balance than I used to be. I just need to say that because if I get to the point in a day when I am mentally tired, I stop Hmm. and that's it for the day. And I generally have a two hour slot in the afternoon, which is filled with things like hanging out with my wife, taking the dog for a walk, getting some sweaty exercise, doing (laughs) some yoga, maybe baking cookies, you know, the little things in life that are, are actually quite important. And so I make a point of not working more than about five hours a day. And that's what I have found is sustainable for me. Everybody's different. Some people have a lot more capacity than others. I've also found that if I do a couple of hours of work first thing in the morning, I'm really fresh and snappy and I can make my decisions easily. And the work itself is easier. Hmm. So I make a point um, and I am blessed to be able to work from home and have a flexible schedule. Although many, many people do many more than used to prior to the pandemic. And, um, you know, I, I take advantage of the flexibility in my life because by about 10 o'clock, now I've got a little feisty one-year-old German Shepherd Malinois puppy <laughs> who is raring to go by about nine or 10 in the morning. And you'd better get that dog out of here or there will be trouble. <laughs> so that's a great point for me to come up for a mare, for air, look around and go, oh yeah, there's the rest of the world. So it's really a process of flowing through the day, following my energy, not following a to-do list or a long list of shoulds. Hmm. Are there things I know I want to accomplish in a day? Sure. But my to-do list flows just like I do. And I use um, Asana, which is a wonderful online scheduler. It's free. And I move all my stuff around and I'm constantly, I'm always in calendar mode. I'm just dragging things all over the place because at the beginning of the day, I think I can do a certain amount. If I haven't done it by the end of the day or if it's changed, I just morph it all and I change it. So 
you know, there's no kind of, oh my God, I didn't do it. I'm just such a slacker. That internal mm. conversation, which is in fact, I think, what drives us to be extremely busy in the first place is an internal sense of, of distrust and shame. Um, that can really lead us into a place of overproduction, as I was saying at the beginning. Okay, let's talk about that negative conversation because that yeah. kind of strikes a chord. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people are <laughs> look disturbed okay. listening to this going, okay, so let's say I have these negative tracks going on in my head. Do you have ideas for how to start to stop them? You gotta notice them. Embrace okay. them. We're not saying, don't you dare be negative with yourself, which is, in fact, a form of negativity. We're saying, oh, hey, there's that little voice I was trying to identify. Cool. I just mm. observed it. Very good job, Suzanne or Diana, or insert your name here, listener. This is about self-appreciation. It's about acknowledgement. How often have we ever stopped to thank ourselves? Or how much we do. Hmm. Yeah. You know, we don't really. Your <laughs> it's point. It's a crazy thing. And yet we do so much. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we'll get the cute little drawing from the kids or our spouse will come home with flowers or, or a good friend will surprise us with a very nice treat and say, I just really love you and you're so great. And often none of that happens. And we're still slogging in there. And then one day we wake up and we're so resentful and we're just done. And it's like, if that so-and-so tells yeah. me they don't like meatloaf one more time, I'm going to push the face, you know? How do they relate? Yeah. And that is a symptom that we are out of balance. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of what I talk about in my work is getting back to this inner alignment. It is this place of balance where we are lined up and in good kind of fighting form, essentially, for the rest of our lives and for the rest of life. Um, we're born in perfect alignment. You know, when you're a little baby, you know, you cry when you have needs, you're very clear on what you need. But as we get older and life intrudes on us and we get a whole lot of conflicting messages and maybe some traumas and some abuse, you know, the things of life, mm -hmm. We suddenly find ourselves going, oh, wait a minute. I don't know what I need. I feel like I'm coming up blank. So one of my practices that I ask people to do is to ask yourself, what do I need right now? And if we all just stop for a moment and just put your feet on the floor and just close your eyes and ask yourself, what do I need right now? See if you get an answer. Hmm. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. I got mango last. I don't know. <laughs> I got oh, to uncross okay. my legs because my foot's falling asleep. <laughs> okay, good. Yours is simple. Mine is a little more complicated. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like we really want to inhabit our bodies again. 
Yeah. And often um, these these terribly busy lives and particularly the massive info stream that is always coming at us all the time, the fire hose of social media, YouTube and TikTok videos, people, you know, emailing, texting, calling, all the all of the news media that we absorb and and um, you know, and a chow on. This stuff is really, really, really um, occupying for the brain. Mm -hmm. And yet our default setting of our brain is to be in kind of a resting state or a Mm. daydream state. There is something called the default setting. And Mm. it is where we generate creative ideas. You know, creative ideas pop into your head. (laughs) Right. Ideas, oh, I better call my mother. You know, whatever it is. That does not happen while you're reading um, your phone. Mm-mm. That happens when you are in a place of inactivity and just kind of mental rest. And ideally, just sort of doing nothing, not even sleeping, just hanging out. And, and you know, the brain needs a certain amount of those to continue to generate gray matter and so forth and, and to function well. Mm. And yet we are so overstimulated. That is another reason we feel a great deal of internal pressure all the time. Interesting. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, that might that kind of puts a perspective on why, you know, when you're doing that doom scroll, like oh, doom scrolling, you're just scrolling forever, and then it oh, just yeah. spirals downward. And yet it's so hard to pull yourself away from it. But okay, so it's like yes, your brain is kind of on this constant dopamine hit and yet it's not getting that rest to that it needs to kind of recharge and and really be your best self so let's Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about I want to go back to values you talked about figuring out what you value in order to kind of create your self-care routine Mm -hmm. how do you recommend we do that (laughs) okay so I had to figure this out for myself and there is, uh, there's a little tool I created in the book called the Handy Values Sorter. And the Handy Values Sorter really is asking you to rank your values and to tune into your values and to become quiet and still and really take on the project of understanding what you care about. Mm-hmm. And just for those who aren't clear by, about what I mean by values, is it more important to go to your child's first grade performance? Or to show up at uh, the company picnic? Is it more important to you personally to be, uh, you know, muscular and fit or to uh, have fun having that extra bowl of ice cream every night? And what is really more important? Because the the key is there's no harm, no foul. It's all good. Whatever you choose is up to you. And sometimes you have to muddle through life for some time before you get clear on what your values are. I'm in my 60s and I, you know, have spent a lot of time not living values that were authentic. So that was helpful because, you know, I went off and did the wrong work for 10 years. (laughs) I thought it was. And I was running my own business. I was totally a choice here, but I went for the money. You know, I was doing, uh, I've always been an entrepreneur, so I was doing an internet uh, marketing business that was very lucrative. Hmm. And at the end of it, I was kind of like, okay, you, you did check some things off the list, but that was the first thing that went when my daughter passed. Hmm. I mean, for me, I had to have an extraordinary, shocking, you know, severe worst of your life, hopefully, crisis. Yeah. In order to get back to my values, because that's what happens in mm. a severe crisis. Hopefully, listeners uh, checking right. this, this conversation out will not have to go through a severe crisis. Yeah. But, you know, you're very inspiring because you yeah. just rose up from a life that was not completely fulfilling and you took off to do your training. <laughs> we <laughs> did. Yeah. And and that's what I'm talking about. You know, I remember... Um, for instance, in this conversation about comparative values, we took uh, in my former marriage, my uh, former husband and I took our son out of school when he was 13 for a month and we traveled around Southeast Asia. Wow. And we had a good friend who lived in Bangkok and kind of pointed us in a bunch of different directions. 
And we took with us naively a bunch of textbooks and the teachers were like, okay, give it a shot. You know, we trust you people. And they gave us algebra books and, you know, history books, novels and things that the kid had to process and learn from. Well, good God, that algebra broke my brain. And we had to get the help of a very nice grad student in a train station in, in Laos to help us figure it out. I'm just saying that. Wow. But, but it was worth it. And the takeaway was, oh, yeah, this is what I really care about. Hmm. And we can't always do that kind of thing. Right. But it was really more important to us to provide him with this unique experience than it was for us to make sure he was in school every single day for that month. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, to give him that gift of seeing the world in a completely different culture. And I can imagine mm -hmm. that he learned so much yeah. from that experience. And, yeah. you know, he probably got all caught up on his algebra homework. <laughs> well, he, eventually. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, he went to a good college, he graduated, and he, yeah. is, he is a traveler. That is actually what he does. And oh, he has cool. set his life up to support himself, you know, built his own house that he rented out. He's, he's a cool. really interesting guy. Nice. And and uh, I just I just feel like those are the early experiences that are very self-determining for our values. I remember mm -hmm. we went and spent some time in a Hawaiian village mm -hmm. uh, and he, he met some people and played with some children who did not speak English and were completely different. And he got so into it. He said, I think I want to be in the Peace Corps when I grow up. And wow. we were like, yes, job done. You know, very cool. <laughs> that's what I mean about the values thing, to get back to this right. conversation about self-care. It's about so real, emotional, deep self-care is about honoring yourself. Because we all have this panoply of instincts and desires and interests. So often we override them or ignore them. And our interest was very much in doing that at the time. And it turned out to really mesh with this child's interests. Mm. So we were getting stimulated and, you know, taking, taking a break from this tiny rural town we lived in. And he was getting this great adventure. You know, so much of it is about getting back to that alignment. And the alignment I was speaking about is completely keyed into what your desires are. Yeah. Right. And and just for those that are listening to point out, right there, like you said before, there is no right or wrong. Like, yeah, when you take this questionnaire, you look at these different choices. It's not that one is better than the other. There's definitely no right answer. And people listening might be like, uh, I definitely don't want to take my child out of school for a month and go travel, which totally I get it. Right. Some people, that's not their value. That's not their jam. Um, yeah. And so, right, like you said, like totally on board with the, yes, uh, you know, kind of figuring it out, like what jazzes mm -hmm. you up. And like you said, you were just so lucky that what was stimulating you was also of interest to him at the time um, and still is, um, obviously. Yeah. So fascinating, fascinating. Okay, let's get into like, okay, so now we've talked about our values, knowing that we need to know what our values are so that we can align our self-care with these values. What are some things you would recommend for self-care? And like, how do people get started with that? Because it's hard for us to say like, okay, I haven't done anything. Now, yeah, if someone's right. like me, now I'm kind of a pendulum swinger, right? Like, life. I haven't done anything. Now I want to go do something else. Now I get, you know, so yeah. let's not do that. Let's not super pendulum swing. How do mm -hmm. we kind of baby step into it, maybe? Well, the place you start is, is with two things. Sleep, mm. making sure you have adequate sleep, because without adequate sleep, Everything goes to hell, beginning with your health and ending with your moods and your your uh, resiliency, your ability to show up for relationships and so forth. Number two would be to begin to ask yourself, what do I need? Hmm. And if you really do not know, which is quite common, I would say take a journal out, maybe go buy a little notebook or great self-care activity, get yourself a journal. I use, I use those big, you know, spiral notebooks because I just, you know, plow through them <laughs> and uh, ask yourself, what do I need? 
right now. And if you don't know, start writing and just, okay. you know, give yourself seven minutes or 20 minutes or whatever on the clock and just write and write and write and write. And you might be writing the same sentence the whole time. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. But eventually the log jam will break and thoughts will begin to come in. This is a process of unlocking our resistance to self-care. And many, many of us resist self-care, which is very interesting because it's so foundational for being a healthy person. The way you resist self-care is you deny yourself the things that you know benefit. And I'm not just talking about mm. we don't go on diets because they're kind of a pain in the butt. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about we love to sing, but we never make time for it. Mm. We, we miss our Aunt Mary, and she's probably going to die pretty soon, but we just can't get to it. We tell ourselves we're too busy, and yet we make no effort to change that. The thing about being busy is it's legitimate. A lot of us are extremely busy, and sometimes extraordinary measures need to be taken. I've done a lot of work with people in healthcare, you know, and, and there are people in trauma and emergency medicine who had severe schedules. And they're like, I have no idea where to start with self-care. So it is what you said. It's baby steps. And sometimes self-care for somebody like that means spending 20 minutes eating lunch, sitting down. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's another great uh, thing I recommend to people is to take a walk in nature for at least half an hour. One walk in nature for half an hour is the equivalent to a two-hour walk on city streets Hmm. in terms of how it affects your central nervous system. You can just slow down to the pace of life. That's when you can answer the question, what do I need right now, much more easily. So sometimes we just have to like dial back the adrenaline. You know, as you were saying earlier, we get so wound up by life and all the responsibilities on us that we need to have some clarity. And, you know, the other thing I'd say is keep a notebook by your bed because Mm -hmm. often you wake up your first waking thoughts will be something served up deliciously from your subconscious that is trying to get your attention. And those are often very linked to the things we need and to the things that we need to pay attention to. I like that. And getting sleep. Sleep is a big one for me. I have a hard time turning life off. So I'm definitely working on that. Um, I have removed some social media from my phone in order to help with said (laughs) said thing. Um, Yeah, definitely hard to do. Um, And then especially as someone who's, you know, running a podcast, if I could, I would probably delete Instagram and Facebook from my life completely, but um, it doesn't feel like it's completely possible. Um, and then, yeah, you just end up in the scroll because you're just like, well, what are these people doing and what do I need to be doing? And so anyway, yeah, I'm yeah. diving. I'm I'm delving to a different topic. <laughs> well, not really, because this topic of how to wind down before you go to sleep is a very rich place for self-care. Hmm. If you can't get yourself back to kind of basic self-care before bedtime, notice that. Hmm. And um, I have introduced two things that came along during well, prior to and during the pandemic that have really been helped to me. And one of them is needlepoint, you know. Yeah. Needlepoint canvases when I was a teenager. And then I stopped. I didn't do any for, you know, 45 years. And uh, I I saw an ad for a needlepoint kit and I just Mm. ordered it and it showed up and I started doing it. And it's it's a Zen-like activity. It really doesn't matter what you do. But occupying yourself off of the screen Mm -hmm. with something that involves your hands or making something, it it could be writing poetry, it could be singing, it could be learning an instrument, it could be learning a foreign language, it could be, you know, um, reading for Pete's sakes, you know, go to the library, (laughs) grab some great books. These are, you know, not the same as listening to a podcast or watching YouTube videos or, Mm -hmm. or TikTok videos or whatever, because it's a simple activity that, you know, engages your brain a little differently. And I think this, this is actually something I do almost every night. And it really helps me mm. kind of drop my adrenaline level. 
And I'm a creator, you know, I like to create stuff, but for somebody else, it might be, you know, sitting with their plants or, um, uh, you know, doing some yoga, doing some yoga or Tai Chi or something like that right before bed is they're all good because they help you just cycle down. And mm. often if you can't kind of slow your brain down, that is, that is truly helpful. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. All right. Well, that's some really good tips. One other thing I wanted to step back to was kind of these obligations of other people or that we put on ourselves, basically <laughs> saying that, but if I don't do it, no one will, or I've got to do this because blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> um, so how do we start to say no or let go no. of these obligations <laughs> or, you know, have people take more responsibility for themselves? Um, what is your suggestions there? God bless you for asking that because I actually have a whole section in the book about how to say no at work uh. and how to say no at home. Mm. And, you know, please notice something. We're women. We say no, we immediately feel guilty. Ah, so true. Now so true. Nobody else is. And I really want to note that we are the last to get the message about the oxygen mask. Put on your <laughs> oxygen mask first. Yeah. And and the illusion is just what you said. We have this stock set of beliefs. Nobody can do it as well as me. If I don't say yes, nobody will. So-and-so is counting on me, and I really can't disappoint them. Um, even I will look good to other people and that'll be important for my safety or my well-being or, you know, at work, it'll be, you know, relates to my performance review, even though it's above and beyond the scope of my usual work. These are not true, these thoughts we give ourselves. We, they might be true, but they're probably not true. And the truth is we treat them like truths, but we don't know that they're truths. We don't know that accepting this additional assignment will actually enhance our performance review at work. We don't know that nobody else would show up and, you know, make the Rice Krispie treats for the bake sale. We really don't. And yeah. um, something happens when you kind of, you know, insist on doing all this stuff. Other people get trained to not participate and they miss out because participation can be a lot of fun. And it can also make you feel stronger and more engaged. But often I think we do this uh, taking control of stuff because we're, uh, I mean, there are many reasons, I think, but one of them could be that we're trying to compensate for a sense that we're not enough. Mm. 
we're feeling guilty for perhaps messages we got long ago that are still like floating around in our brain. I was a huge uh, say yes too often person. Mm -hmm. And that's all about, you know, I am not enough. And if I do this, maybe I'll be enough. But the sad truth is you do it and you're still not enough in your own mind. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't change it. You just feel busier and then something else probably doesn't get done as well. And then you feel like a failure over there or whatever. That's right. Yeah. That plays and plays and plays. I just did a blog about how we have comfort zones with different levels of Mm self-care. And for many people, the comfort zone is not much self-care at all, but it's comfortable to always get in there and volunteer and say, I'll do it and heap too much on your plate and then be up late and annoyed and resentful. That's like the comfort. <laughs> so to actually say no and risk the guilty feelings yeah. and the potential disappointment and, well, the order has changed experience, you have to be willing to let go and you have to be willing to see how it goes. And that's a different comfort zone. And it's uncomfortable getting to that different comfort zone. Then you stop saying yes so much and you start building in more self-care with this new bits of time that you have freed up. And you kind of go, whoa, what took me so long? Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. I like it. It was good. It was really good. And it, you know, a lot of it resonates with me. I'm definitely... Um, one that has said yes way too much in my life. I mean, yes, <laughs> I definitely have been that person and I am trying, I'm, I'm really trying to not be, um, and, and walk the line, but there, you know, mm-hmm. I struggle with the, you know, at the moment. So I'm volunteering for the PTA at my daughter's school. Cause we mm-hmm. just switched schools. So I want to get to know the parents and She's in mm-hmm. fourth grade now. So, you know, it's, I feel like it's so much easier to meet families when you're in kindergarten and first grade, mm-hmm. you know, that's when the new families show up to the school. That's when all the people were there. We went to the, you know, beginning of school picnic and it was all the young families and there was not a single family from fourth grade. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it gets, it's like, okay, so how are we going to meet these families? So now I'm like, okay, well, if I just volunteer, but I'm trying to be very cautious about how much mm-hmm. time I volunteer. So like I can still go to the mm-hmm. events. I can still help on some of the events, but not do all of it, not dive super Definitely. deep, which I would have done before. So I feel like that yeah. at least is a step in the right direction for myself. So, and, and something you might also ask yourself yeah, is why it's important to meet other families in fourth grade. I'm just okay. suggesting yeah. Yeah. this level of questioning sure. for all of us. Yeah. Because we make these assumptions that it'll all be better if I do that. And that's what I mean about overproduction. Mm. Because sometimes, and I, this is not specifically about your situation. <laughs> this is just an example. Sure. Sometimes going into um, an assumption like that mm-hmm. is all based on an assumption that I'm going to meet all these other families and they're going to be great. Be great. And we're going to have all this. You know, like dinners on Saturday night. Yeah, and, we're know, all going to get together. Sleepovers. And, and it may not happen. And right. you're just like the person who showed up and volunteered. Yeah. So, so like our perception of what all that extra activity will do for us can be off base. Really yeah. off base. And then it's sort of worth it to ask, well, why aren't any of the other fourth grade parents volunteering? What happened there? Hmm. You know, and did somebody else like carry that mantle? And <laughs> yeah, well, I definitely learned. I, I tried the same thing with Girl Scouts and then I got roped oh, yeah. into leading the troop. And that oh, was yeah. and mm-hmm. then like that I learned was definitely not my jam because mm-hmm. that was definitely that same thing where why wasn't anyone else volunteering? Why was it so hard for me to get other people to help with it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that one I quickly said no to after um, after that. Well, the first year got interrupted with COVID, so it was a real easy out. Right. Well, and, but, and uh, you know, yeah. every place is different. Every organization right. is different. Every Girl Scouts is different. Let's just True. acknowledge that. You know, I remember yeah. when Teal was doing it, and yeah. she did it all the way up through 12th grade, for Pete's sakes. Nice. There were, there were you know, a dozen different leaders who ebbed and flowed, even in a small community of a couple nice. thousand people. And, and that was just because people really needed people. 
Mm. in that particular place. And it was very, it really was self-care to do that. Sometimes we're all just kind of wide, get under the covers and hide rest probably too many people and too much stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm an extrovert. I need people. So I think that's one reason I do it as well is because that for me is the self-care part, right? The getting to talk to new people and getting to, that's one of the things I love about being a podcaster is I get to meet people and I get to talk to them and whether I get to actually meet them in person or not, this for me is a great outlet. And so, um, yeah, so that's the self-care aspect of it. Now I'm taking that's my that's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> no, no, no. That's well, and that's really well observed. So a high value for yeah. you is connecting with your community. Yes, absolutely. you know, and you'll find you'll find all the perfect ways to do that by trial and error. That's yeah. another thing I want to say. Trial and error. About yeah. That I was just going to say this is a self care, a, a essential piece of self care is to treat it all like an experiment. Mm. Okay. Well, Suzanne said I should you know, start saying no more often. I'm going to try it. But if this doesn't work, forget it. I'm never saying no again. No, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that. I'm saying, treat it like an experiment. Yeah. And if saying no in that particular way didn't help, try it this way. Or don't say no, say yes, but say yes, you know, a different way. You right, with a mean? boundary, like, right. Right. Yeah. We have to really learn by doing with yeah. all of this. And, and the beautiful thing is our openness to change is what will create greater self-care. Mm. And P.S., why should we bother with self-care? Why have I been blathering on for the last 10 years about self-care and the last, you know, what's the vote in 30, <laughs> 40 minutes with you? Because when you allow yourself the experience of deep self-care, you begin to love yourself more and you begin to come back into alignment. The crazy thing about my life since my daughter died is that I'm far happier. Ultimately, mm. I miss her. I grieved her like crazy for three or four years. I couldn't even work the first two years. But but I found my way to my younger self, and I have a lot of experiences of a truly joyful spirit that I had as a little kid. Mm. You know, I was kind of an irrepressible child, and I find I'm I'm tapping into that essential core Suzanne-ness, which is available to all of us to tap into those deep reserves of our personal strength and our essence. Mm, I love it. Well, that's a perfect place to kind of cap today's uh, show. So (laughs) tell people where they can find you, Suzanne, because I know that people are going to want to check out your book and they're going to want going to want to look at your blog and find out about your oh, yeah. podcast and all that. Well, so, that's where right. are you? It's all called <laughs> self-care for extremely busy women. The podcast, the, uh, you know, SuzanneFalter.com, F-A-L-T-E-R. Um, you can Google me. You'll find all my stuff. I even have a Facebook group with 50,000 women who are all organized around this idea of greater self-care. And uh, that's an interesting thing leaving that group and, and really having that be a place where people can really talk about these core issues of what's really going on. And the book is the Extremely Busy Woman's Guide to Self-Care. And all of it can be found online. And <laughs> I hope people drop over to my podcast and, you know, more yeah. fun to come. Well, we'll make sure we have links for all of it in the show notes as well, so that if someone is listening to this on the road, they can just go there and make sure they find it. Um, And then my favorite way to end all of these episodes is with three rapid fire questions. And so the first one is, what does minimalism mean to you? Having less stuff to worry me, to preoccupy me, to make me feel heavy. I'm a chucker. So (laughs) it's pretty easy. I love that. That's a good one. Um, Okay. Number two, what's one of your favorite pieces of advice that maybe you didn't get to share today so far? Oh, well, Lordy, turn off, turn off the screens. I think I shared that. (laughs) We talked about it a little bit, but no, it's a good reminder. Okay. Uh, If you feel like you resist exercise, get dressed in your athletic wear before you do anything else and wear it until you actually work out. Ooh, okay. That's a fun one. That's a fun little life hack. I like it. Yeah. All right. Number three, what is making you happy right now or in this season of your life? Well, I'm getting a new kitchen 
and I am a cook. I love to make food for people. And my dear wife has owned this house for 35 years and never leave down the kitchen. Uh-huh. And it is time. And it is going to be so beautiful. And we're, we've spent a whole year on it. And we get to have the kitchen of our dreams. I'm just thrilled to be part of that process. Oh, that's so fun. I love it. Yes. And right. Putting that, you know, putting your energy and your money and, you know, all your time and effort into, you know, something that you really value uh, just totally aligns with your message and it lights you up. And I love it. So. Uh, Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us today, and um, I wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Wasn't that good? I am amazed at Suzanne's resilience and her presence. She clearly is a woman who practices what she preaches. But I would love to know what stood out the most to you. Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook and share. Sharing your insights will help others on their journeys too, and it just might be the thing that someone needs to hear today. And if Facebook isn't your thing, you can always find me on Instagram. I am at wannabeclutterfree there. And uh, you can just leave your comments on the post for today's episode if you prefer Instagram over Facebook. But as always, thank you for joining me today. If you made it this far, I would be thrilled if you left me a review on Apple Podcast. Your reviews make my day and it helps me be able to book more guests on the show for you to discover and learn from. And thanks again to Suzanne for joining us on the show today and for sharing some just amazing advice. Remember, you can find out more about Suzanne by heading over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 126. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 126. I hope you have an amazing day and I'll see you back here next week for a solo show when I will be looking at why minimalism is great for moms, maybe even essential. I know it sounds extreme, but if you've ever listened to this show or you've listened to me for a while, you will know that I don't equate minimalism with living with the bare minimum. I do advocate for living with less and only keeping the things for you or your family that you use or love. But there is some interesting science and statistics behind moms and clutter. So we're going to take a look at that next week. Until then, I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wannabe Minimalist. Cheers. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 